I would like to find. Yeah. Another good sports documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Last uh, the they, last dance got left you hungry, huh? Been spoiled now. You just just go buy all the thirty for thirties, man. <laughs> Honestly. Wait, do you have to buy them? What if I have yes and subscribe to ESPN? I seem to remember back when I had Comcast and access to ESPN that they would only have like one of them free. Really? Yeah, on on demand. I did. I did see because I'm I'm considering getting rid of my Hulu because I never use it. That's almost all I use right now. Really? Yeah. It has all the shows. I mean, I know my sister and them wa- or have been watching front to back. Uh, the hell's the Bob Saget show? Full House. Full House. <laughs> They've been watching it front to back. Oh, and uh, I don't know why. But Terrible. they have. Terrible. <clears throat> and I, I know my mom likes it, but, um, uh, God, what was they saying? Now I forgot. That you want to ditch Hulu. Oh, I want to ditch Hulu, but I seen they had on their little packages, if you pay for the premium Hulu. Which I do. You, they have a package that includes, uh, ESPN Plus and Disney Plus for the same price. Oh, that's that new thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So... Uh, I'm assuming with ESPN Plus, you get all the 30 for 30s. I would hope so. Maybe I'll have to look into it. I know that I wish I wouldn't have paid $70 for a year at Disney Plus now, since <laughs> I already pay for Hulu. Don't you have Verizon? No. No. What do I look like, a Verizon loser? <laughs> you don't want the best 5G coverage around? No. I Actually, don't I want anything. I think that's T-Mobile now. Oh, well, I have T-Mobile. Um, so... Uh, the remember those old wrestling documentaries? I love. Them. Yeah, uh, Beyond the Mad is the one that I'm thinking of mostly. Uh, they they had one about like The Rock. They had one about Stone Cold. They had one about. Uh, Are you Mick talking Foley? about ones made by the WWF? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sure. you don't want to watch those? I like those. Yeah. But, but I'm saying, are they misleading? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they made had... by the they're made by the company. <laughs> They had one about... Uh, that would be Ray- like if Philip Morris made a cigarette <laughs> documentary. I would trust it. <laughs> I'm still convinced they're not actually cancer. No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those ones are really good. But, yeah. Well, they had the WCW, like, uh, documentary. It was like the Rise timeline. Yeah. That one was really good. Hell and then yeah. they had... You realize what a piece of shit... Uh, what's his name? Vince. No... Uh, the guy who, uh, they did a crime, Razor Ramon. Oh, yeah. Scott Hall and yeah. the big Kevin Nash. Yeah. They basically destroyed WCW. Yep. Because of their contracts. Jump ship. Well, to be fair, the wrestling business, to be fair, mm-hmm. the wrestling business is a bunch of carnies. They are non-contract, <laughs> they are non-contract true, workers. True, true, They are day laborers, basically. That's mm. the way that they're paid. So when... When the company you're working for right now is heart is fucking sandbagging you because you signed a shitty contract and the other federation is offering you way more, mm. you're going to jump ship. You're going to abandon. Well, I don't think that was the problem. The problem was is that their contracts, every time they hired a new wrestler, they got a raise, mm. Mm. which bankrupted mm. WCW. Oh, right, 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 right. Because of how their, con- or their contracts was set up. So... They kind of destroyed it. Kind of. Well, listen. <laughs> don't own the Atlanta Braves and WCW. Well, what's wrong with the Atlanta me? Braves? Do you understand me? You can't own both. You can't own everything, okay? What's wrong with the Atlanta Braves? What's his name? Ted Turner. That's mm, his name. Yeah. He owned the everything. The Disney World guy? Mm-hmm. 
I didn't trust him. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt <laughs> Podcast. Was that a cat? Is there a cat down here? Uh, I'm sure there probably is. Yep. Yep. It's Sophie. Okay. That scared the shit out of me. I thought it was a ghost. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that uploads weekly. Who knows what it'll be about? This week is Albert Pitt Fish Part 3. Hell yeah. And my name is Adam. That is Cody. Hello, Cody. Hello, Adam. You know what you can do. What's that? You can take it up right where we left off. Uh, yeah, we got to finish off the depravity of Albert Fish. Obviously, he is a... Uh, Disgusting old bastard. Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, I think, the first half and then... The second half's not quite as bad, obviously. Adam's aware of what we have to get through here, mm-hmm. uh, but let's dive right in. Let's go. So picking up where we left off, Albert Fish had just failed at accomplishing the murder of Cyril Quinn, but as I had mentioned, he'd been working on a potential victim named Edward Budd. Right, now, he would groom, he was grooming Edward Budd while he was... Also, he had a, he had a little he had his little gross fingers contingen- in everything. He had contingency plans set in place <laughs> for his weird murder fantasies, I guess. Hmm. But anyway, who who the hell was this Edward Budd, and how did he end up coming into contact with Albert Fish? Well, let's start with the Budd family. Edward's father was named Albert Budd. I sw- I how many goddamn Alberts have we talked about in the series about Albert Fish? There's too many of them. I get, that was the uh, that was the Aiden of the day. I guess everyone was naming it saying, Aiden. Are you saying Aiden is the most popular <laughs> name right now? <laughs> Maybe not anymore, but it was in 2006. <laughs> the last time I cared about such things. <laughs> now, anyway, Albert he was a porter for the Equitable. Life Assurance Company, and he also had a glass eye. So did my grandpa. Did he? Yeah, he he was on top of a telephone pole. He was a linesman, and he was drilling a hole for the, uh, to run cable with a hand drill. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like one you actually had to crank. (laughs) And the drill bit overheated and uh, broke, sending burning drill bit into his eye. <laughs> oh, God. And he was on top of the pole, like, <laughs> Did he have, like, the real circular one, or just, like, the cap that they put in there? It's It, it was gross. Like, you could hear it <laughs> pop out. It's, like, half circle, and then the other half is flat. Yeah, like, the half like that, that goes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. They just said Mr. Albert Buds was real glossy. Mm. So, yeah, 1928, well, I mean. They collect eye boogers, too. I'll you tell you. He used to have to pop it out and wipe it off with a handkerchief <laughs> and get his little he socket. Didn't, he didn't just put it in his mouth and squirrel, like squish it around and spit it out. I'm not the- sure if he <laughs> actually did that or if that's just a memory I have, but I swear to Christ he did that once. <laughs> it's a mouth dishwasher. <laughs> well, it's funny. I actually did today. I was making uh, spicy chicken sandwiches, and I had all the oil in there maybe like quarter of an inch deep. Put them in there. The grease shot right in my eye. Oh, yeah. Luckily, it didn't incinerate it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I am fine. I Good. can still see, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look. Uh, it doesn't look too maimed over there. <laughs> His mother was Delia Bud. Uh, the book describes her as a mountainously large woman with an underslung jaw that <laughs> added to her look of stubborn immobility. Mr. Harold Schechter, did Whew. you have to say that about this woman? Whew, you had to roast her like that. 
He would not relent on how big she was. I don't know if he's a fat shamer or what, but I it bet, wasn't very nice. I, You know what? Usually the people that are the most judgmental of others, especially mm. women, mm. really hate the way they look. I Apparently Harold Schechter does. Mm. Now, the Butt family had five children. Albert Jr., Edward, God. George, Patrice, and of course, Beatrice. Grace. <laughs> Patrice O'Neill. Beatrice, okay. And of course, Grace Bud. Now, at the time, they were living in a terribly cramped little apartment. Edward Bud was an 18-year-old boy who worked part-time as a truck driver. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works, but but he thought maybe he could get a job outside of the city. He could escape the literal stench of New York City. Mm. They talked mm. a lot about how stinky New York was during this time period. Humans I mean, are disgusting. Let- and when there's a huge group of them, they <laughs> fucking stink. Well, I know my sister went there, and that's the first thing she said. She's like, man, it stinks here. (laughs) There's trash, and it stinks everywhere. In 1928, or 19, yeah, 1928, oof. And how many of those people have indoor plumbing in Uh, 1928? Probably not a lot. But anyway, he thought maybe he could get some fresh air on a farm, and perhaps, most importantly, get some of those beautiful farm (sighs) muscles. Hell yeah. So on Friday, May 25th, 1928, Edward Budd, took the subway down to New York work and placed an ad in the Sunday edition that was placed under the column called Situations Wanted. (laughs) It read, Young man, 18, wishes position in country. Edward Budd, 406 15th Street. This could be damn near a personal ad in today. Like, you put that in there, you're going to be getting some some bears and twinks at your doorstep. Maybe some otters, too. (laughs) Anyway, uh, after he did that, he just had to play the waiting game. Mm. Now, this particular Sunday edition of the paper, Albert Fist just so happened to read through and stumbled upon said classified ad. So, he began to hatch his plan. That Monday, May 28th, 1928, the Bud household heard someone knocking on their front door. When Delia got up to answer the door, she was taken back by who was standing there. The elderly gentleman was wearing a dark suit and a black felt hat. Mm. Delia figured he was a very well-to-do and dapper man. Mm. So That'd much scary to me. <laughs> so much so, she apparently tried to pat her hair into shape. You know, that classic oh, thing there. The unnecessary hair touch. Just little, trying to primp her up there. Up. Yeah. It also said she, like, uh, Harold described it as she unbuttoned her shirt a little bit. Whoa, I come don't, on, Harold. I don't know. I don't know, Harold. Maybe he did, maybe he did. Come didn't. on, I don't know. Harold. She's a big, plump woman. Ah, <laughs> uh, she asked, can I help you? Fish said, I am looking for a young fellow <laughs> named Edward Buddy. You've came to the right place. I'm his mother. Good day to you. My name is Frank Howard. I'm here with an offer that might be of interest to your son. Come on in. Eddie's over over to a friend's, but I'll have my little girl fetch him for you. (sighs) Dahlia then told her daughter, Beatrice, to go fetch her brother Edward. Before she got out of the door, Fish grabbed her by the wrist and pulled the little girl. You remind me of my granddaughter. Here's a nickel. <laughs> he, they really go into detail about him touching the kids in the house, and it makes me very uncomfortable. Ugh. 
It was peculiar because when Fish was finally in the house, Dahlia could tell that his outfit was a lot more worn out than she had initially thought. But he did have a large diamond pinky ring. Mm. Is he like the godfather or what? Uh, He's a pimp. (laughs) (laughs) Kiss the ring, baby. (laughs) That's all I can think about now. Uh, Either way, soon Edward and his best friend, Willie Corman, returned (laughs) to the home to have a chat with this mysterious Frank Howard. Fish explained to the boys that he had worked as an interior decorator in Washington, D.C. He was happily married with six children, but his eyesight was beginning to fail him. So he had taken the money he had made from his interior decorating business and decided to purchase... A nice little farm out in Farmingdale, Long Island. Yeah, I wonder what they do there on Farmingdale in Long Island. We have Farmingdale here, right? We have a Farmington. Farmington, that's what I'm thinking of. We probably have Farmingdale, too. (laughs) Uh, Now, Fish claimed his wife started to hate the country so much that within a year she had left him and he was forced to take care of all of his children all on his own. But he was thankful because all of his children had turned out good, Fish said. One of my boys is a cadet at West Point. <laughs> I, uh, that's not true, by the way. But uh, yeah, I don't know. He does have six kids, though. Yeah, and his wife true. did leave him. And that is true too. So... And just kept fucking the dude in his house and <laughs> yeah. let him live in his attic and shit. <laughs> now, Fish's imaginary farm contained <laughs> three hundred chickens, Whoa. six milk cows. He also employed a Swedish cook. And he had five farmhands. It's very big on the Swedish cook. I don't know. Where do the Swedes bring in? Meatballs. The meatballs. I don't know what else. Lutefisk. Isn't that more of a scan? Well. That's it, Cody. You almost said real dumb. I was going to say, Norwegians love it. I didn't know about the Swedes, though. It's right next door. Okay. It's the same. (laughs) They all like the same penis country. Pinkled pickled (laughs) fish. They're all big fans of it. But. One of his most trusted farmhands had just quit, so he needed a big, strong young man to take his place. Fish said, I am prepared to pay $15 a week for as long as you can stay with me. Edward said, That sounds good to me. We was wondering, Mr. Howard, my chum Willie here is also looking for for some summer work. All right, I can use a fine big fellow like you on my farm. Uh, $15 in 1928 is $226.14 today. So, not bad. For an 18-year-old kid, For an first job, kid, that's yeah. what I was making at the car wash at Good. Walzer was two twenty six, just about. Were you 18 then? 19. 19, okay. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot more employment nowadays than there was in 1920. Yeah, I obviously. didn't have to move with a strange man <laughs> yeah. to a farm to make two twenty. I still lived with Would my parents. Would you have done it? Sure, why not? $15. Hey, the man called me a big, strong lad, a big, Mm. strong fellow. I'm going to go work on his farm. He was nice to me. Here's the interesting thing. If a really creepy old man showed up at your house and was like, I'll give you $15 a week to come live with me on my farm. Nowadays, not so good of a deal. Inflation, you know. What if he offered you a Pepsi a day? Yeah, then I'm in. Okay. You know I'm a Pepsi. And all the meatballs and lutefisk you can handle. Oh, the Swedish cook. I forgot about him. What if it's just like a big-breasted, blonde-haired hurdy, woman hurdy, hurdy. cutting the wooden clogs? Literally the Swedish chef. <laughs> hurdy, hurdy. Uh, Fish then popped open his pocket watch and said, 
I must be on my way. I have a business engagement out in New Jersey. <laughs> no, I guess you do. Well, it makes sense. He's got a pinky ring, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got to go keep the hose in line. <laughs> now, Fish told them that he would be back the following Saturday afternoon to pick them up in his car and take them to his farm in Farmingdale. But when Saturday, June 2nd, 1928 arrived, while Willie and Edward were excitedly waiting around for the Mr. Howard to show up, he didn't seem to be coming. What a prick! But much, much later in the day, they would finally receive a knock at the front door. But sadly, it wasn't Frank Howard. It was just a Western Union delivery boy with a message. Hmm. It read, Ben over in New Jersey. A call in the morning. Uh, this was signed by Frank Howard. Mm. The following day, on Sunday, June 3rd, 1928, Albert Fish was preparing to head back to the Bud household. Around 10.30 in the morning, Fish headed out with his implements of Pell. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to learn what these are. Now, they were wrapped in a red and white striped canvas sheet. I'm assuming that's the painting things you lay out, right? The, yeah, like, yeah, cloth, yeah, absolutely, cloth, yeah. sir, absolutely. He was also carrying a small white enamel pail. Hmm. Now let's talk about what exactly these implements of hell were. Well, shortly after the initial meetup with Edward Budd, he had purchased a butcher's knife, a meat cleaver, and a small handsaw, all for less than $5, Hmm. that he would then refer to as his implements of hell. Well, those are pretty gross. Yes. I mean, especially the way he's going to use them. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, I it uh, I think he the book said he bought them from like a ham hock shop or something like that. Sure. I guess you would need that to cut a pig, right? And guess what? You know what cannibals <laughs> call humans? Long Ham- pork. Long pork. Long pig. Yeah, that's what they they say. We taste the most like pig than anyone than any other meat. So if you put a good Caribbean jerk on me, you probably taste pretty good. Absolutely. Or fried me. A absolutely. Bit. I want to get your most marbled part and give it a shot. <laughs> it's my ass. Your rump. <laughs> my rump. I'm taking your rump. <laughs> now, what the hell was this goddamn small enamel white bucket for? Mm. Well, on his way to the Bud's house, he had stopped at a small German delicatessen and had filled his bucket, his little bucket, up with fresh. Pot cheese. Oh! Now, what exactly is pot cheese? Do you know? I do not. Well, the... I'm assuming it's fondue. That's what I... That's my guess, is fondue. Close. Well, I'm going to read the Wikipedia definition of German pot cheese. Okay. says, quark or quarg is a type of fresh dairy product made by warming sour milk until the desired amount of curdling is met, and then straining it. It can be classified as fresh acid-set cheese. Another type of pot cheese it is similar to is cottage cheese, but with thicker chunks. Okay. Bigger chunks of it. I fucking love cottage cheese. Absolutely. But could you imagine you bring your own bucket and they have like... Some guy just slop, like slop slops my it wet in cheese there. in here, please. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know. It I think I gross. would, I think I'd eat it. I, I think I'd put some fresh ground black pepper on there and go to town. It sounded good. Mm. Like some of it is, it sounded like the German one is more like cottage cheese, and then the other ones are more like, I don't know, just 
fondue-ish like kind of. nacho cheese? <laughs> uh, not quite that spicy, but yeah. <laughs> well, you just, know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a bucket of like fondue cheese. I'm a big fan of that idea. Okay. I'm a really big we fan of it. We should open a pot cheese, a BYOB hot cheese store bring your own bucket but we have to call it quarg <laughs> it sounds like a bad guy in star trek i think yeah exactly it's a <laughs> actually it's the cook on uh star trek on quarg. the yeah the quarg. um quarg. the half i forget the race voyage no, i forget his race ears guys no right? not no he's got like uh leopard skin he's got like leopard skin a little bit dots mm. on him I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like Albert Fish is of liver spots. <laughs> now, either way, after collecting his pot cheese, Fish headed over to a fruit and vegetable stand and purchased a small carton of plump strawberries. Mm. Now, juggling the pot cheese, the strawberries, and his implements of hell was proving to be a little cumbersome. So he then headed to a newspaper stand and purchased the paper, seemingly knowing that the guy running the stand was going to ask him if he could possibly handle all these goddamn <laughs> items. So uh, Fish simply asked the newsstand guy, hey, can you hang on to my implements of health uh, for me till I get back? <laughs> did he ask him with those words? <laughs> no, he did not ask him what that Okay, those items are kind of bulky. Yeah. And when they're wrapped in a sheet, you can probably feel kind of what the hell they are and right? hear them jangling in there you <laughs> yeah. can tell there's knives hitting each other inside of a closed like, towel i i don't know this guy's just like okay i'll hold on to him to get back no problem pal uh i this is probably why best buy changed their policy when i worked there that you're not allowed to hang on to any customer's items. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, if they're looking at something, they're like, hey, can you hold this for no. me quick? Oh. It's a big, big no-no. You do not do that. Hmm. But anyway, shortly after 11 a.m., Fish would reach the Bud's home and knock on the door. Dahlia once again let him in and quickly noticed that he was wearing the exact same clothes Ugh. that he was wearing during the first visit. But it didn't matter. It was about getting her son that job. Now, this time, Elber Bud was home to greet Mr. Frank Howard, a.k.a. Albert Fish. Fish told Albert, You'll never taste creamier pot cheese than that. <laughs> I can guarantee it. Nor sweeter strawberries. Beatrice asked him, This come from your farm, Mr. Howard? That's right. Those products come direct from my farm. Oh, God. Why is this so creepy when he says you won't have a creamier pot cheese tonight? <laughs> it makes me not want to open a pot cheese store anymore. I'm literally going to buy little cottage cheeses from here on. When you come here, I'm going to be like, you'll never have a creamier pot cheese than this one. <laughs> or actually, I just want to find a stranger on the street and be like, you'll never have a creamier pot cheese. You'd get killed. They'd problem. stab the hell out of you. <laughs> I would. Anyway, they invited Fish to stay for their potluck uh, lunch because Eddie wouldn't be home until noon because he was playing stickball with his friends. Ah. Uh, Fish agreed and then apologized for not uh, not being able to arrive the day prior to pick up Edward. He claimed he was in New Jersey purchasing horses. Mm. Now, interestingly, Fish asked them if the boy had thrown away that message that he had received from the Western Union Company. They informed him that he hadn't and it was still on the mantle. Yeah, why would he? Like, what are you, you're, what are you some kind of spy, Mr. Howard? <laughs> why do you, I have to burn your communications after I read them, Mr. Howard? Well, the interesting thing is they didn't think much of it at the time, but later they realized 
he had went up to it and pocketed it. Evidence. Right. Yeah. So he, if this doesn't show premeditation, I don't know what does. This shows a yeah. psychotic level of premeditation. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's this doing. This is manipulation. Now, while they were still waiting, Fish mesmerized Elber Bud with his tales of his mystical farm, his amazing Swedish cook, Hardy, Hardy. and his fat Rhode Island Reds. Well, I've never called my cock that before. <laughs> Those are the boils on his ass. <laughs> Rhode Island Reds. Well, I suppose they're chickens, right? I suppose they are the... No, I think those are cows. Rhode Island Reds are cows? Okay. I, I mean, maybe. Like, uh, Do they uh, pump out strawberry milk? <laughs> that's the myth, and I think that is where it comes from. I knew it. Uh, the Red... Uh, what do we call the Red Cows here? Heifers? Isn't that just girls? Or is that the girls? They have a name for the red ones in in like Iowa and Minnesota. I can't remember what they are. Okay. Well, you anyway, would know much more than I would. I think I think a fat Rhode Island red is a cow. Could be wrong. Someone from Rhode Island messaged us and let us know. We don't eat dairy cow, right? We we eat steer. Is that true? I'm pretty sure my grandpa would eat anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I'm assuming <laughs> steer steer is probably the preferred meat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, cow farmers, get at me. Well, let me wet, wet your appetite here. Okay. So after a short time, Dahlia announced that lunch was ready. They would serve ham hocks uh, and that's sauerkraut. Not that's not good. We know about his love of ham hocks already. <laughs> Boiled carrots, pickled beets, a basket of bread rolls, strawberries, and of course, the bucket of pot cheese. Mm. Now, shortly after they were seated at the table... Fish heard the humming of a child coming down the hallway. This was the first time 10-year-old Grace Bud had made an appearance. Now, Grace was still wearing her white silk dress that she had worn to church that day. It's funny, even if you are a lower-income family, you only wear one nice piece of clothing, and that is to church, and then you take it off immediately. Yep. Like, maybe you should reinvest that money to help the family, Seriously. besides worrying just about church. Well, guess what? God looks down while you're in the he building. Doesn't, and he doesn't like people who don't dress nice. If, I'll you're, tell a, you that if you're a dirty little scrub, he's not going to let you into his heaven. <laughs> now, as with how creepy Albert Fish usually acts, he immediately says to Grace while patting his knee, Come here, child. <laughs> Grace then stood by his knee while he ran his disgusting, liver-spotted hands through her hair. <sighs> He then leaned back to pull something out of his pocket. First, he whipped out a humongous wad of bills before finally pulling out some pocket change to give to Grace. He said, Here's 50 cents. Go out and buy some candy for you and your sister. Now, he might actually be a mobster pimp, I guess, because he pulled out a total of $92.50. It seemed like he did it to kind of get the attention of the family to yeah, let that's... them know... He's got fucking money. That's the that's the move, man. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I, I bet I bet my quarters all wrapped up in all this paper money that I have. <laughs> oh, I thought this was toilet paper in here. I guess it's cash. I've what seen a person take out a wad of bills and go, "This is my walking around money." <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Nobody cares. That's never going to impress a single no. person. Well, ninety-two fifty in nineteen twenty-eight is thirteen hundred ninety-five dollars and fifteen cents. So. That's a lot of money to be carrying around. It's impressive, but right. still. 
Not not impressive when you're <laughs> trying to flaunt it. Making her rain on these bud bitches here. <laughs> <laughs> now, a short time later, both Edward and Willie finally came running through the door, excited to head out to the farm and begin working. But unfortunately, Mr. Howard would inform them, I am not going to take you to the job right at the present. I received a letter from my sister yesterday. She is throwing a birthday party from one of her children, which I am obliged to attend. Now after this, Albert pulled out a few dollar bills and gave them to Edward and Willie and then said, Here's two dollars. You and Willie pick some of the boys and go take, take in the movie pictures. Later on this evening, after the party, I will pick you up on my way home. Always with the movie pictures, man. Loves the movie pictures. Yes, I guess, uh, I, guess I, I guess for the kids at the time, like this would be like us seeing, I don't know, Street PS5. Fighter Two machine. <laughs> yes, that too. The advanced graphics of Street Fighter Two arcade <laughs> machine. Now, whether Fish had the idea the entire time or it was simply a spur of the moment thing, he decided to ask Grace if she would like to join him at his niece's birthday party telling her it would be really fun for her to hang out with the other children and enjoy some of the games that they were playing there. Fish promised Miss Bud that he would have her back home no later than 9 p.m. That seems late for a young child. For a 10-year-old, yeah. Any time period. Now, naturally, Mrs. Bud was very hesitant, but this Mr. Howard had put them into a tricky predicament. Now, the Bud family could be considered to be on the lower income bracket of society, and this Mr. Howard had offered their son a pretty sweet job, and if they were to say no, could they possibly offend this Mr. Howard, which would cause him to not hire their son Edward? It's rough. And secondly, it was well noted in the book, and I presume this goes for most children of the time period, Grace didn't get out of the city much, she didn't travel much, and she didn't even really get out of her own house that much. Hmm. In fact, people said Grace Bud had exceedingly pale skin, simply because of the fact that she never got out of the house that much. Wow. So I don't know. I mean, I would assume the kids are playing outside, but for some reason, this is just, just didn't... this is the the child that the mother yeah. said, "You're not leaving my sight. You're yeah. not leaving." Yeah. Well, I'm uh, like Billy Gaffney when we talked about him on hmm. the last episode. He was the same way. <laughs> His skin was so pale because they didn't get any sun because of how they were living. Wow. Uh, so anyway, this is probably why Mrs. Bud eventually said, Let the poor kid go. She's always cooped up in here in this dungeon. She don't see much good times. <laughs> Do you see much good times? I try to see as many good times as I can. <laughs> I would like to get a hold of Thelma on good times, that's for sure. <laughs> so Mrs. Bud naturally asks, Where does your sister live, Mr. Howard? Without hesitation, Mr. Howard's son... 137th Street and Columbus Avenue. He had that bitch preloaded. Hell yeah! He's a manipulative piece of fuck... He played this family like a goddamn fiddle, dude. He did. Here, but what do you... Okay, we'll stop here. What do you think? So, obviously, his his target was Edward Budd, and he didn't see Grace Bud until she walked out during this meeting... Here's what I'm so thinking. So he just like concocted this whole thing immediately. Oh, dude. Okay, mm. so maybe he's a mastermind. But yeah, she. J I'm in my head when Grace Bud is walking down the hall in her thing. It's slow motion, and Albert Fish looks over, and there's an '80s love song playing <laughs> in his head. While Not it's a good happening. one though. Like a like a, a rat 
song. Oh, rat. <laughs> oh, man. I do not can think of a worse 80s band. Oh, you remember, you know who I think of when I think of rat, right? Um, Whose favorite band was rat that yeah, we know? Oh, yeah, dirty I, mechanic, you yeah, scum yeah. lord. <sighs> anyway, now, while this certainly sound convincing, spitting the goddamn address out immediately... As we'll learn later, this address didn't even exist. <laughs> but either way, Mrs. Bud relented and allowed Grace to go to the home of the non-existent birthday party. Eventually, Fish and Grace would make their way out of the apartment. Some of Grace's friends just so happened to be playing outside and witnessed the two of them leaving together. Then for some reason started chanting at her, Gracie's a swell! Gracie's a swell. I don't. What does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. Gracie's a swell. If you were like a swell individual, doesn't that mean like you're good? Is a swell an <laughs> insult? I don't. Someone from 1928 email us and let us know. <laughs> swell became a popular slang term meaning great or excellent, but it also can describe a wealthy, elegant person like a group of swells at a ra- fancy restaurant. Because she was wearing her fancy Sunday best dress. And walking around with a mm. fancy suited man with a pinky ring. Right, okay, that makes sense then. Now, before getting on the subway, Fish first had to make the pit stop at the local newsstand to pick up his implements of hell. <sighs> Now, this is interesting. I've never heard this before, but it was in the book. When the children will later testify, they claim that Grace and Fish got into a car with a different person and took off. But that's never actually confirmed. And not the subway. And not the subway. So, like, there was an accomplice with Fish. That's what the little girl said, but... Fish himself claims they just got on the subway. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. It really makes you think a little bit. Definitely. So after taking several different subway trains at the next stop, Fish would purchase himself a trip ticket and Grace a one-way ticket. Well, that's not a good look already. No, I, they didn't question it at the New York Central Railroad Station. But anyway, they were headed to Westchester, which was about 20 miles north of the city. He let Grace have the window seat on the train He then leaned over and placed his implements of hell on the side of her in between the wall and her seat. Hmm. So for about the next 40 minutes, Albert and Grace sat on the train together, headed to their destination. When they finally reached said destination, they made their way off of the train, and it was actually Grace who would inform Fish before they got too far that he had actually forgotten his package on the train, which were the weaponry. He... She let him know that he forgot her murder weapons on the train. The sad thing is she is probably an absolute angel of a girl. Definitely. And unfortunately that happened. She's just trying to be nice, but she doesn't know. It's actually very scary items in there. After this, they started walking down Sawmill River Parkway before turning left on Mountain Road and walked about another half a mile until reaching the house. Now, interestingly... They walked past a house owned by Frank Cudney. Now, this house was fairly close to the house that Fish was taking Grace to. Mm. And across Frank's house was Frank's mother's house. As Fish and Grace walked down the road past her house, 
he noticed what he referred to her as the old cow woman. <laughs> I, I don't know why I love that term. Like, did she is her dad a minotaur and like her mom's a human? Like, what is going on here? I don't know. She guards the maze yeah. of the gods. <laughs> You're just a big labyrinth on her property. Like, You're gonna come here, you old bastard. That goddamn cow woman's looking at me again. <laughs> Anyway, she the cow woman was out there repairing a fence damaged by her cattle, which is very common if you are a farmer, by the way. That's most ranchers, right? <laughs> yeah. They're just fence repairmen. <laughs> yeah. And Fish tipped his hat at her. You remember he did that to Francis. Mm-hmm. Good day, m'lady. <laughs> now, weirdly, it appears Mrs. Cudney, even though she clearly looked in the direction of Albert Fish and Grace Bud, would never once seem to be a witness or even say a single thing once Grace Bud's face was all over the papers. She might have not get, gotten a good enough look at her, but it seems a little funny to me. I don't know. Like, I don't know if she's in on it or if she just was like, well, I like, do not want to be involved. I, I think there's a lot of that. Like, I don't want to get involved with this mess. Now, a little further down the road, tucked away about 30 feet from the road, was a two-story abandoned home the locals called the Wisteria Cottage. When they Any ap- connection? What is the Wisteria? Didn't we do a Wisteria thing? No, we. that was uh, some of his nicknames. Oh, right, right. Wisteria, okay. Witch, okay. or Butcher, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the Witch of Wisteria. Yeah, stuff like that. When they approached the house, Fish told Grace... Why didn't you go pick up some wildflowers while I head inside? Fish then went around the back and lifted up a large flat stone, and he put Grace's coat and her hat underneath of it, slammed the rock down. He then spotted a empty five-gallon paint can in the yard and grabbed it before heading inside the derelict home. He headed up to the second story. He then unrolled his tools wrapped in the canvas sheet and set the saw, the claver, and the double-edged knife on the ground neatly, then proceeded to get completely naked. Mm-hmm. Now, Fish could see Grace through the window and told her to come upstairs. So, everybody, brace yourself for this part here. He then hid in the hallway and waited for her to make her way upstairs. As soon as she reached the top of the landing, he popped out, which startled Grace. She tried to run back down the stairs, but somehow... The old man managed to grab her around the neck with lightning speed. This was a point of contention how this brittle old man outran a 10-year-old girl. Right. I don't know how he did it, but anyway. With his hands around her neck, he dragged her to the canvas he had laid out. He he put his knee on her chest and then proceeded to strangle her, her to death. And then proceeded to strangle her to death. After she was dead, he grabbed her by the hair lifted her up, placing her head over the five-gallon bucket, then took the double-sided butcher's knife and cut her head clean off, using the bucket to collect the blood. Now, Fish said later on he tried to drink the blood as it was coming out of her neck, but after about four to five gulps of blood, he realized he couldn't do it. Fuck. So then he spit it back out into the bucket. That's disgusting. That is... That's uh, rank, man. Yeah. I'm we're gonna talk I wanna talk about um if we think he's lying about this or not later after we get through this. I'm unfortunately I'm very glad that he strangled her before he did mm. anything though. Mm-hmm. I mean he doesn't seem to in his three murders, he doesn't seem to get off on the torture. I mean he does, but he seems if he's gonna kill him, he kills him really, really fast. Mm. But we don't we don't really know. Anyway, 
After this, he opened the window and emptied the bucket with blood into the yard. He then undressed the now headless body, took the knife cutting into the midsection just below the navel until he reached her spine. He then took the cleaver and effectively chopped her body in two. He then took her shoes and head outside, planning to toss them into the hole in the outhouse. But for some reason, Elbert thought it was kind of dif- disrespectful to toss her head into the outhouse hole. Yeah. So instead, he just covered it with some, some newspapers and placed it in the corner of the outhouse. I don't know how he's this far and then somehow claims he doesn't want to disrespect her. And right? is it like, much more no is it much more respectful to put her in the fucking corner <laughs> of the outhouse? No, that this is why he I don't know, he's just insane. I obviously. guess you just start making up your own reasoning Rules yeah. and everything. Yeah. When you're that far gone. Yeah. Now, for what we fully believe from the Grace Bud letter, uh it would have been at this point that he cut off the pieces of meat from Grace's body that he had intended to eat then wrapped said meat in newspaper. He would place the upper and lower parts of Grace's body in the corner of the room and open the closet door to fully hide it. He then wrapped his implements of hell back up in the canvas sheet. They were brought in and placed them along with the body parts and hid them behind the door as well. Seeing as there was no water around and fish was completely covered in blood, he just cleaned his hands off with dry grass in the yard. That That's, does not work. By that the way. is not anything. No. He just rubbed grass on his <laughs> bloody hands is all he did. Growing up on a farm, I can tell you all his grass does is cut you. Yeah, itchy. Itchy, <laughs> itchy, itchy. Now, it had been about an hour since Fish and Grace Bud had first walked up on the house, and after the murder and dismemberment was finished, Fish simply got dressed, grabbed his human meat wrapped in newspaper, Headed back to the train, boarded it, just headed home. Fish said this later. I returned about four days later. I took the body and the legs out from behind the door. The legs were so stiff, they were stiff as a board. I threw them out the window onto the lawn and carried the torso out, picking up the legs as I passed over the lawn, went to the stone wall in the back of the house. I laid the body and the legs as they would be in life behind the stone wall. I then went to the outhouse and got the head. It was all stiff. The hair was clotted. I brought the head up and placed the head with the body just as it would be in life. The head, the torso, and the legs. Then I went back into the house, took the tools, and threw them over the wall. This is interesting because he, he at once they find her body, he did essentially put her back together how she would be. Right. Head, torso, leg. I don't know like why. The sh- like the shrine of the silver monkey. <laughs> Was that how you solved that puzzle? Yeah. You had to find the base and then the midsection in the head. I want to ask, okay, when you watch that show, were you ever like, these kids are dumb. I think I could win. Yes. Every time. Okay. It's like, these kids are just the worst. Even though the pedophiles are coming out of the walls, grabbing them. Now that originally (laughs) scared the shit out of me when I was a really little kid and my older brothers would watch it. I actually thought those kids were being taken. By Temple Guardians. Just never seen again. No. They just killed him on sight right there. Like, Jesus, this is the <laughs> this is the most dangerous game show on Maybe the planet. Maybe you should look for Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, the child sex ring. That guy's a pedophile. Is he? Yeah. Maybe they were abducting mm-hmm. the kids. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Now, shockingly much later, Fish would claim that he had returned to the Wisteria home 
at least three or four times with his son in between in between the time he had murdered Grace Bud until the time he was caught. So not just he was revisiting it, but he but wasn't he brought showing his kid with. No, no, no. Well, no, he 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 went to this house with his kid. So I don't. It's kind of. A, I guess he's revisiting it. Right? It has to be right. Like the sicko serial killer thing of going back to the spot. But it was interesting because I didn't really include it in here, but they lived nearby this house at one point. That's Mm. why he knew it was there. Mm. That's why all his kids knew it was there. Mm. So that's the whole why he took her there, but it was abandoned. Anyway, now one of the biggest things those who haven't heard uh, this story before are probably wondering is we were talking so much about Edward Budd and mentioned Edward Budd as Fish's initial target. So why did he end up killing Grace Budd? Well, some of the reasons given later by Fish was firstly, Edward Budd was a much larger boy than Fish Mm. had expected, although Fish probably would have tried to kill him at some point. Well, why would you fucking... It's like the kid wanted farm labor. Mm. He's going to be a hearty buck, you know what I mean? I think he was... My, I'm assuming he was planning on taking Edward to this house. Or maybe because Edward and then Willie, there's no way he'd be able to try it. Right. But he claims right. he would have tried to kill both of them. Because the, uh, what was the, unfortunately, that black kid that he messed up, cut his penis off? How old was that guy? Oh, God, I, I'm not certain. I think he was a teenager. So he kind of likes teenagers, mm. too. But it seems like his victims are not their children. No, no, no. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I don't know why he chose Edward Bud. To be honest with you, Weird. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe could he have wanted to start a sexual relationship with him like he did with that guy? Right. And then took it too far. I don't know. I Knew really it wouldn't don't. work out for him. Yeah. Hmm. But the the other reason Fish claims is the second he laid eyes on Grace, he claims he was on some sort of heavenly mission. To save her from eventually becoming a harlot. Oy so vey. that's a biblical bullshit Incel excuse, right? piece of shit. Yeah, it's... I, I, I don't know. But, she will become a whore if she grows up. But the, the interesting thing that I was reading through is... Out of everybody that Fish had tortured, molested, and murdered... Grace Bud seems to be the only one that literally haunts him for the rest of his life. So it's almost like, I, I don't know, like in some twisted way, he killed the wrong person in his mind and it just right. kind of fucks him up. Right. I don't know. It's really strange. He's a broken fucking person. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he really is on some holy mission and he thought he was supposed to kill Edward for his to complete his holy mission and he didn't do that, then I don't know fucked him up in the head i, I guess know. yeah I it's know. the angel said you killed the wrong bud mm. you son of a bitch mm, now you're gonna be destined to be crazy <laughs> i think he was crazy before him. oh right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway let's talk about the bud family as you can imagine big fat mama right when grace did not uh, return home the following morning they knew something was terribly wrong which would quickly turn into a manhunt for grace but it would also bring the cop who would eventually bring Albert Fish to justice as well, named Detective William F. King. So noble. He he was, I guess I should clarify, he was actually for like the missing persons department okay. of that, but he's still a detective. 
Now, as you can imagine, the police, all the buds, their family and friends would begin to search all over the place for Grace Bud, trying to follow any lead they could possibly find. They would quickly find out that the address Fish had gave them was a fake, obviously. (laughs) 137th in Columbia or whatever? (laughs) Doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, They would search for someone named Frank Howard in Farmingdale, but none existed. Now, Frank Howard had mentioned going to New Jersey. And wouldn't you know it, it just so happened someone named Frank Howard actually lived there. (laughs) Probably 80 of them. (laughs) But they quickly found out that this Frank Howard had actually moved to Chicago in 1913. (laughs) And on top of that, he had been dead for over 10 years. (laughs) So... This is why computers can be beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because one quick search, we're like, oh, he's dead. We don't oh, have to ask everybody in his family. God. Now, much like Francis McDonald and Billy Gaffney, Mrs. Bud would be receiving a whole bunch of crank letters such as, My dear friends, all little girl is to cellar and into water. Or, My dear Mr. and Mrs. Bud, your child is going to a funeral. I still got her. Howard. Oh, Jesus. Or the weirdest of them all. I have Grace. She is safe and sound. She is happy in her new home and not at all homesick. I will see to it that Grace has proper schooling. She has been given an Angora cat and a pet canary. She calls the canary Bill. I am a keen student of human nature. That's why I was attracted to Grace. She seemed like a little girl who would appreciate nice surroundings and a real nice home. I drove with Grace past your house in an automobile several days ago. I saw several persons standing in front of the house and did not stop as it looked as though they were waiting for me. I will see to it in the near future that some arrangements are made so Grace will be able to visit you for a short time. Now, this was actually signed J.F.H., but uh, as crazy as these letters are, none of these are actually written by Albert Fish. At least we don't believe they are because his letter obviously is... Way worse than all of them. It's misspelled, but it's also very cogent and very horrifying. Mm. And these, yeah, these are just the same cranksters that were doing it last time. Kind of want an Angora cat. I wonder what they are. Are they? Uh, I think they kind of look like Sophie, but maybe like a little furry. And they're kind of, I think they're Middle Eastern cats. So So they look kind of like calicos. A Turkish Angora. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of cute. Oh yes, they are, and they have heterochromia sometimes, don't they? What the hell is that? Where they have one eye different color than the other. Oh, I call them witches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, Turkish Angora, that is a beautiful cat. It's a beautiful. Anyway, now we can't go through every single lead the police would follow while looking for Grace Bud, but let's go through some of the men they believed had abducted her, including an ex-convict named Albert E. Corthal. Again, More another fucking Albert. Another fucking Albert. <laughs> now, this entire manhunt for Albert Corthal started because Warden Blitch, <laughs> that's really his last name, Warden Blitch, uh, from a prison in Florida, had heard the description of the decrepit, gray-haired old man, Frank Howard, and assumed it had to be Albert Corthel. Oh, so just one asshole that said it sounded familiar. Yep. This he is, this man is literally going to be the, the other arrests we're going to talk about are because they're looking for this man. God damn. The whole manhunt's because of this warden Blitch. Sent him on a wild goose chase for this you guy. You bitch, Blitch. <laughs> you little Blitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, one of the other reasons that the warden thought this had to be the man was because he was a con man who used several different aliases and was known for hiring young girls to pose as his daughter to give himself a bit of credibility when he was pulling off a scam. Actually, okay, so pretty... the young girl connection, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Several aliases, that's pretty good. Gray man, that's pretty good. But that son of a bitch certainly shouldn't have said he was 100% <laughs> certain that Albert Cornhole is the man that we're it, looking for. Okay, it seems like there are so many old gray-haired men around. Like, you can just kind of point a finger at There's like... A dime a dozen here. There's Slender, so gray-haired men. Yeah, that was the fashion of the time, apparently. Mm. Now, to blur matters even more, when they showed a picture of Albert Corthol to the Bud family, they were 100% certain this was the Frank Howard who had taken their <sighs> daughter. Now, for a handful of other suspects the police would bring in, the Buds would become notorious that's him. For claiming yeah. that's Frank Howard. <laughs> Didn't matter who it was. They were like, no, 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 that is Frank Howard. I that know that is. So they're not the best witnesses in no, that they're, department. They're hysterically grieving yeah, is the problem. Obviously. But yeah. the thing is, from 28, 1928 to 1934, before they actually get Albert Fish, mm -hmm. that whole six years, every single person, they're like, that's Frank Howard. It'd be the mom, it'd be the brother, it'd be the father, it'd be like all of them. What a that's nightmare. That's Frank Howard. What yeah, a nightmare. Because so. they're living, that's fresh. They can't move yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, while the manhunt for Albert Corthel was going on, they would come to arrest another man by the name of Charles Howard, who was from Florida and had recently married a young woman in New York. Hmm. Now, just eight days after Charles Howard's wedding, he had stole... $2,800 from his new wife and $1,000 from his new aunt and then completely disappeared. Now, initially, they thought that Charles Howard was actually Albert Corthel, but when they would finally arrest Charles Howard, they quickly figured out that that, in fact, was not the man they were looking for. They just thought he changed his first name to Frank and were like, I'm Frank Howard. No, he's Charles Howard. Yeah, but... They think he's Frank Howard. Oh, yeah, yeah. They think he just keeps recycling these goddamn names. Sure. And he's a con, man. It's con That is a long con to wait <laughs> until you get married to then steal $3,800 from your new family. In this time, though, I <laughs> bet you that's like 50 racks or something. That's true. And you get married probably within six days. No problem. <laughs> I mean, you can just run through wives in this time. <laughs> yeah. They would then come to arrest a 67-year-old man named Charles Edward Pope, who was a high school janitor, whose wife had turned him in, claiming he was the kidnapper of Grace Bud. What a jerk! What an asshole wife! <laughs> I know. I'm just a you creepy know, old husband. I, I, I didn't steal no kid. You know, you know uh, in the end, what they found out? She just did this because she was trying to get him arrested or committed so she could get her hands on the money Charles had inherited from his father. Yikes. She wanted to She wanted to bail. She mm. said, I've had enough of this geriatric. I want to take his money and find myself a nice hot piece of young man meat. <laughs> I just... Apparently, people around this time just needed money any way they could possibly get it. Today, too. Yeah. 
Now, sometime finally in December of 1930, Albert Corthel, going under the name J.W. West, would be arrested <laughs> in St. Louis, Missouri. Shout for, out Lunchbox. Hell yeah. For trying to cash a certified check for the amount of $15,000. Golly. They're going to look into that stuff. <laughs> go a little smaller than that, Seriously, man. break <laughs> it up into $2,000 chunks. After he was in custody, it became very clear that Albert Corthel was not the Frank Howard they were looking for, and eventually the charges for kidna- the kidnapping of Grace Bud would be dropped. Well, thank goodness that yeah. all those leads are cold, and it's been fucking three years now or whatever since she's killed. They, man, they arrest so many people <sighs> in relation to this. Now, as we mentioned, these gentlemen were the prime su- suspects during this time, but none of them panned out. And they didn't really have much else to go on. The next closest thing was a person who claimed that they had spotted Grace in 1934, six years after her kidnapping, who was all grown up. But when they finally tracked down the girl that they believed was the now 16-year-old Grace Bud, she was quick to inform them that she was not, in fact, Grace Bud. Oh. They found her in a photograph and said, this has to be grown-up Grace oh, Bud. God. They got her, and they're like, no, I'm not Grace Bud. I'm just some girl in and, the picture. And these are 1930s photographs, too, yeah. so it's not like they're super high fidelity. They're like negative megapixels on those fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was Albert Fish up to this whole time? Now, it appears that just after murdering Grace Bud, Albert Fish would be arrested Three separate times over the span of a three-week period for larceny. More money, once again. (laughs) Then he tried to lay low from the police for a while. So beginning in 1929, Fish started to mail out a bunch of letters to random ladies. This is what I remember. It wasn't a newspaper. He was just fucking mailing random chicks. Yeah, he would just find them in newspaper classifieds or the matrimonial agencies. That's right. And as we mentioned, some of them were were to become his wives that we mentioned his, hard to. His wives, right. yeah. Now, in one of these letters, Fish was claiming to be a successful Hollywood producer <laughs> willing to pay large sums of money to either perform acts on himself or his fictional teenage son named Bobby. Whoa. One, later, one letter said, I wish you could see me now. I'm sitting in a chair naked. The pain is across my back, just over my behind. When you strip me naked, you will see a most perfect form. Yours, yours, sweet honey of my heart. I can taste your sweet piss, your sweet shit. You must pee-pee in a glass, and I shall drink every drop of it as you watch me. Tell me when you want to do number two. I will take you over my knees, pull up your clothes, take down your drawers, and hold my mouth on your sweet honey fat ass and eat your sweet peanut butter as it comes out fresh and hot. That's how we do it in Hollywood. (laughs) Technically, he's not lying. He is the proto uh, Weinstein. That is how they do it in Hollywood. Now, remember that thing I linked you in on my story? That girl was like, Oh, it's so nice having a boyfriend who's in the scat because he can just shit on the floor and he'll clean it up. You can have a human toilet, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Poopy is so yucky. Yeah, it it stinks. It fucking stinks. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. I I guess if you're into poop, good for you, but... Nope, 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 nope. We can't shame... I'm shaming poopy people. We can't shame scat men. 
Scat man. People. I'm the scat man. Scat people. They want to play with poopy. Let them play with poopy. Not me. That's <laughs> unsafe. It's unhygienic. We're in the time of COVID-19. Yeah. Stop okay. touching poop. The, yeah. COVID dumps. Let's not touch Let's them. leave the poops alone. <laughs> or in another letter, Fish claimed that his son Bobby, who was crypto- crippled at the age of nine by an attack of infantile paralysis, required... Frequent spanking with a cat of nine tails, they read. For his own good. He does not wet or muss his clothes or the bed. He will tell you when he has to use the toilet, one or two. For number one, his pants must be unbuttoned at the crotch and his monkey taken out. His pants and drawers are all made with a drop seat. All you have to do is loose three buttons in the back and down they come. Saves a lot of undressing. Handy when you want to spank him. Just drop the seat of his pants and drawers. You don't have to strip him except at night for bed. Or to give him a bath or a switching. The doctor says three or four good spankings a day on his bare behind will do him good as he is nice and fat on that spot. It will be an aid to him. When he don't mind you, then you must strip him and use the cat o' nine tails. Say you won't hesitate to use the paddle or cat o' nine tails on him when he needs it. I mean, God, would Dr. Phil recommend that treatment to your kid who's paralyzed? I don't know. Is that supposed to help him walk again or something? It's uh, Apparently the spanking is supposed to keep him mobile, yes. I oh, don't know. okay. I guess you're shocking his nervous system with the pain? I don't know. Shocking his butt nerves yeah. into going again? It's weird he's writing about this, but he never, as far as we know... Never whipped his own kids or anything. Right. He never raised a hand to him. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know, is this like a voyeur thing where he just likes to like shock him? Penthouse forums, something? Yes. I, I I don't know. He's kind of like uh, Alex Jones. He likes to shock him. Mmm. Shock and awe. Yeah. I could see Alex Jones being into piston shit for some reason. Probably is. <laughs> now, sometime in September of 1930, when Fish had mailed one of these types of letters claiming his name was Robert Fisk to a woman named <laughs> Mrs. E. Slard. He had attached a return address in hopes that she would go for it, but instead she called the police and he was sent to Bellevue <laughs> Mental Hospital for observation. <laughs> now, Fish claimed the reason he had mailed the letter was because when he was painting the Harlem Sanitarium in 1929, a doctor, Robert B. Lamb, had showed him a bunch of dirty letters, and that had put dirty thoughts in his head. Oh, he just <laughs> needed to send dirty letters like the ones Dr. Lamb showed him. Bastard corrupted his mind, oh, goddammit. No. That's like, uh, what's his name? Ted Bundy in the pornography. Oh, God. Or was that, is... that Dahmer? No, that was Bundy. Okay. At the very end, he was blaming, because he was like a new Christian. Right. He was blaming the porn for his murders. Right. Fucking so stupid. But in the end, they would declare that Fish was not insane. While he may have had some disturbed thoughts, it wasn't anything excessive. So after about 30 days, he would be released, put on probation, and put into the custody of his daughter, Anna. Now, it would still be another four years before Fish would send the infamous Grace Bud letter. But according to him... He was being tormented by nightmares about her murder. Hmm. Fish claimed that he would often have a bad nightmare involving seeing Grace's face or that Grace was attacking him. He, When he was awoken by the bad dream, he would have to do an atonement by whipping himself with the nail-studded paddles or sticking those needles inside of himself. Fuck. 
He late he later claimed he would hear Oh ye daughter of Babylon inside of his head. I don't I don't know. you know, we talked about his uncle or whatever that had religious psychosis. Part of me kinda thinks he does too. Mm-hmm. Like he's hearing all these random religious verses in his head. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh now when Albert Fish is finally captured, his son Albert Jr. would then remember waking up in the middle of the night hearing his father screaming someone's name, and after he found out who his father killed, he came to realize that name was Grace Bud. Oh, yeah. Now, Albert Fish had another interesting story, and do you remember one of his nicknames was the Werewolf of Wisteria or That's something right. like that? That's right, yeah. Albert Fish claims, or Albert Fish Jr. claims, he came home one night, it was a full moon, and his dad was sitting at the table just devouring raw, like, steak. Oh. He was just sitting in there, like, eating the blood, eating the steak, raw, everything. Like, so I think that's kind of where the werewolf thing came from. Did he think his father was afflicted by lycanthropy? (laughs) I was talked about, but I think he just assumed his dad was having a mental disturbance or something. I don't know. really needed iron or something. Yeah, I I really (laughs) don't know. It's just like... I don't know. Just weird. It was just such a weird thing. If I came home and Rick was eating a raw steak and like drinking the blood out of it, <laughs> I'd be like, Dad, do you, do you want to talk for a minute, maybe? Yeah, uh, Dad. Want to put on some Kenny G and kind of talk this all under one? chat for a minute? <laughs> yeah. I could get you iron pills if you're worried about, are you anemic? I don't know. Maybe he needs goat testicles put in. There oh, you go. Oh, <laughs> we know a man that can help him. <laughs> yeah. But with Albert Fish being tormented by the death of Grace Bud, maybe it explains why after six years, he finally decided to mail out the infamous letter on November 11th, 1934. My dear Mrs. Bud, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from one to three dollars a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under twelve were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under fourteen was not safe in the street. You could go into any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or girl would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven and eleven, took them to his home, stripped them naked, and tied them in a closet. Then, burning everything they had on, several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them, to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old boy, because he had the fattest ass, and of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next. Went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, near right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot, cheese, and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said she could go to. 
I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood all over them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her and said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her whole body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have if I wanted. She died a virgin. Ooh, there it is. The uh, infamous, horrific Grace Bodletter. <laughs> God damn. Now, I want to ask you something. Something I mentioned earlier. So there is zero proof that he actually ate either of them. Because she's a skeleton when they find her body. Right. And they never found Billy Gaffney. So do you think he could be lying about it? Or do you think we should believe him claiming that he ate her? <sighs> he lies about so much in mm. those other mm. letters that... I, I I was just thinking about that today. I'm like, technically there's zero proof of it. Kind of like, if we think about uh, Otis Tool, he claimed... They ate people and had a special barbecue sauce and all this shit. And we know he's a liar. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. The only one we really, I think, have proof is, of is Jeff Dahmer. Because he obviously right. had pieces in his apartment. Right. He had butcher paper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting if you stop and think about it. He obviously likes to lie about shit. I wonder if they all try it. Like they I, could be. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because isn't it, with some of them, it's like, I want to keep a piece of them with me forever, so I eat them. The other thing that makes me think is because in another story, he claimed that he got the idea from his brother, who is over there in eating human meat. Right. And this one, he says it's a friend. Right. So I don't, I don't, I really don't know. I don't know. He can't get it. He he can't keep his own story straight, so. <sighs> I wonder if he even knows what's true and not true. <laughs> Probably not. Now. Just 10 days after sending out the Grace Bud letter, on November 21st, 1934, Fish had mailed out another letter to a Brooklyn woman titled Room to Let, signed A.H. Fish. Mm. Now, this letter was basically him offering money to the woman if she would be willing to spank his three children. <laughs> uh, here's a little snippet from it. I'm willing to pay you $35 a week for the three boys, 15 a week extra when I am there. But if you take them, you must assure me you will use the paddle and cattle nine tails freely on all three of them. Again, good money. Very good Very money. Very good money. To spank some boys. <laughs> now, sometime in September of 1934, a Mrs. Grace Shaw had placed a classified ad in the New York Times offering care for the elderly. After Fish saw it, he decided to write her back claiming to be a big Hollywood director named Robert E. Hayden. He loves going for the Hollywood <laughs> shit. I barely that gets their attention. I don't know. And he was looking for help with his disabled son, Bobby. Another Bobby makes right. an appearance. Now, this time, Fish claimed that a doctor had recommended that his son, Bobby, needed to be spanked regularly. Otherwise, five-year-old Bobby is going to lose his mind. <laughs> the mental health treatment to spank him, apparently. It's just like curing paralysis. It also works <laughs> on the brain. The, it's the original, um, if I get to think of the name of the medication we take. Zoloft. Zoloft. That's the original <laughs> Zoloft there. 
Now, for whatever reason, Mrs. Shaw continued writing back to Fish over the next month. As per usual, Fish's letters started getting a little more and more perverse. In one, he said he needed... Some good home cooking with a good spanking thrown in. <laughs> Isn't that what we all want? Come That's, on. We all miss good, our mama. We all need a good spanking <laughs> yeah. and some good home cooking. <laughs> now, Fish was getting desperate to finally meet up with Mrs. Shaw, so he created a character named James W. Pell, <laughs> claiming that this was his friend, who was also very rich, and he was in desperate need of some spankings. <laughs> Finally, one day later in October of 1934, Mrs. Shaw had agreed to meet this James Pell. Now, prior to the meeting, Fish made sure Mrs. Shaw knew knew this about Pell beforehand. In 1928, he was operated on for a hernia. When you have hot, when you have him stripped, you will see the mark of the incision. Look on his left groin, from his penis to his hip bone. <laughs> he was prepared for another operation ten days ago. All hair shaved off. That is why he looked like a picked chicken. Jimmy has a habit of painting his behind red or gold. When you strip him, you'll see. Why is he painting his ass red and gold? I, that, like, is he like a, a Florida State University fan? Oh, Seminoles. Go Seminoles. Hey. Let's do it. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, obviously, though, remember we spoke about his hernia? Yes. That is why he has incisions. And yes. It's obviously him. Now, he is like a... He's, it's like he, he sends Mad Libs to these women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck? Now, when Fish eventually showed up at Mrs. Shaw's home, he brought with him a length of rope that had been soaked in brine, fully expecting Mrs. Shaw to spank him, but she very clearly told him she wasn't going to do that. Yeah. She actually told him, I can't do that. What if you die while I'm doing that? Fair. Good excuse, I guess. Hey, that's probably the same reason Best Buy wouldn't let you hold their stuff. I don't want what to if you kill break, them. What if you break their shit while you're holding it? True. Very true. She also pretty quickly figured out that James Pell was more than likely the exact same person as the mysterious Hollywood producer who had been writing her. Oh, she figured that out yeah. pretty quickly upon meeting him? <laughs> yeah. Now, after this, Miss Shaw took all of the letters to a postal inspector named R.H. Kemper. Now, Kemper told her, just keep writing them. And they would set up a trap to catch the pervert. As no surprise, Fish wrote another letter, even more perverse than the last. It read, My dearest, darling, sweetest little girl, Gracie. I just got your letter calling me Dear Robert. Dear honey heart of mine, you have captured me. I'm your slave, and everything I have is yours. Prick, balls, ass, and all the money you want. <laughs> if you were my own sweet wife, you would not be afraid of me. Oh, girly of my heart, I would love you, and how? Hug, kiss, squeeze you, spank you, and then kiss just where I spanked. Your nice, pretty, fat, sweet ass. You won't need toilet paper to wipe your sweet, pretty, fat ass, and I shall eat all of it. Then lick your sweet ass clean with my tongue. <sighs> you know what? I want to... Put a challenge out there for the Bumblebutt listeners. If you are on Tinder and you use the application, mm. take that paragraph, copy it, and just post it. Send it to a random person you match to. Look, there can be a good turnout, though. They'll either report you yeah. or if There's... they're a true crime fan, 
They're going to know what you're talking about, and then you got an instant connection. Or, most likely, they're <laughs> fucking freaks that are going to be like, oh, I'm into that, baby. Let me talk to you, baby. And then she sends you pictures of shit everywhere. Oh, yeah, this would be a guy doing it, right? I mean, yeah, Prick yeah, Prick yeah. balls ass, right, right. Yeah, you yeah, would yeah, have yeah. to, you'd have to. So, we- and yes, you're just going to go to prison if you put that <laughs> on there. <laughs> Now, Mrs. Shaw and Albert continued to write back and forth, and Kemper told her, we're going to set up a meeting spot, and they would set a little trap. But when it finally came time to unleash the trap on him, ironically, Fish didn't show up. Don't know how. Don't know how he knew, but he just didn't show up this one particular time. So now that the Postmaster's little trap didn't work, what was it that was going to finally bring him down? Now that involves the envelope that the infamous Grace Bud letter was sent in. Mm -hmm. When Detective King took a real close look at the envelope it had been sent in, there was a little hexagonal emblem with the initials NYPCBA written into it. They eventually found out that those initials stood for New York... Private Chauffeur's Benevolent Association. (laughs) I don't know why you need that long of a fucking business name. Uh, I'm with the NYPBCBBA. So when the cops headed down to the headquarters of this place, they figured Fish had to have worked here. Eventually, a man named Lee (laughs) Sikowski. That's it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you, Polish man. Goddamn Polish. Uh, He was a janitor and errand boy. And when he approached the detective, he had a story to tell him. He claimed that he had stolen some of the company's envelopes, but he had left them at a rooming house at 200 East 52nd Street. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that is employee shrinkage, and he will be fired straight away. Yeah, he, they don't care if it's to help catch a serial killer there. You're going to be fired, buddy. You're a thief. Now, once King headed to the rooming house, they found out a brittle old man had moved into the room into room seven right after Mr. Sikowski <laughs> had moved out. That man's name, of course, was Albert H. Fish. Mm. This was the first time Detective King had heard this name. They were still looking for the mysterious Frank Howard. Just the shittiest alias, and they're right. still rolling with it <laughs> like eight years later. It's it sounds like Donald Duck's like special needs cousin. Yes. Or Frank Howard. Now, while Fish wasn't actually living at this place, he came every single month to collect his $25 check from his son, who was working in North Carolina for the Civilian Cons- Conservation Corps. What? I don't know what the hell that I, is. I, I don't either. I Unless don't know. It's, uh, maybe it's like the DNR, but just run by all civilians, right? Conservation makes me think of... Uh, like protecting the woodlands and habitats. I mean, North Carolina, you got mountains, you got Swamp. woods, swamps. Yeah, so yeah. maybe he's doing that, but I don't know why he's sending his dad $25. That's but, a weird thing, yeah. Yeah. And that scumbag is always in line to grab it, isn't he? I We don't know how he has money all the time. He no. always has money. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Detective King then was set up a 24-hour stakeout team outside of the rooming house so they could snatch him when he finally came to collect his $25. Sure. Finally, on December 13th, 1934, Detective King received a call from Frida Schneider. Frida Schneider. (laughs) The woman who is running the rooming house to tell him that Fish was here. King told Frida, distract him until I can arrive. So she told Fish, you gotta wait in one of our furnished rooms before Mm. you can get your check. (laughs) Now, eventually, King arrived, and when he walked into the room Fish was in, 
he had finally set his gaze on the old, gray-haired, gray-moustached old man. Gross man. King then asked him if he was Albert Fish. Fish nodded, stood up, pulled out a razor blade. Whoa. But because King was much younger and stronger than Fish, he just grabbed his wrist, twisted it, forcing Fish to drop the razor blade, and he fell back in his chair. (laughs) Detective King then said, I've got you now. (laughs) That's pretty funny. I just see an old man like, you want some bitch? I got you, you Sonny. Twisted his arm. It's like, oh, foiled again. (laughs) Bastard. (laughs) So finally, after six long years, Detective King had caught the murderer of Grace Bud, but he would have no idea just how deranged albert fish actually was until he started confessing eventually after that they found out where fish had murdered grace bud they would do an extensive search of the wisteria house Mm. they would find the bones of grace bud but they would only find two of the murder weapons don't know what happened to uh one of them he clearly remembers wrapping three of them and throwing them next to her body Mm -hmm. right Hmm. the two of them were really rusted obviously and then the third one just disappeared i can't remember what the third one was, I think it was the cleaver. They the never double-sided found. cleaver was yeah. there. Maybe somebody picked it up and like, hey, I can use this to cut my own hammocks at home. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Never mind this pile of bones right next to it. <laughs> they just overlook that. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they would find additional bones underneath the floorboards of the house. And at first, they believed he had actually killed more people. But eventually, they would find out that the additional bones were nothing more than animal bones. Ah, squirrels and shit crawling out. Well, probably cows, pigs. I don't, oh, I yeah, don't, yeah, I okay. don't know if this is just an Iowa thing, but a lot of like the abandoned houses always have animal bones. It's like they would put their animals in the basement of their houses. I don't know why. It like seems they're like dead the, animals? Like the, the animals that were living there. I... I don't know. That's very strange. I don't know. I don't know why, but it. Uh, I've been in a lot of houses. There's bones in the basement. Animal. Very bones. strange. Very strange. Very strange. Now, interestingly, while in jail on February twenty fifth, nineteen thirty five, Fish kept asking the guards for matches to light his own cigarettes. Now they eventually got a little suspicious, so they searched his cell, and they found out he had somehow came to acquire cotton. And rubbing alcohol, which he was intending to stick in his ass and light it in fire. They could never figure out how the hell he got his hands on this shit. <laughs> but he just, he needed to light his ass on fire while in prison, or in jail, I should say. I don't know. Isn't it usually like the nurses and stuff that prisoners uh, are able to convince to this? bring, like, they'll bring them a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe that's what happened. I don't know. It's fucking weird, though. Strange. On March 10th, 1935, they had served some sort of soup for lunch, and Fish had managed to extract a three-inch chicken bone that he would sneak back to his cell. Fish had then... Fish would then sharpen the chicken bone on the floor, and then he would use that to begin cutting his own chest and abdomen with. Hmm. Although it was just minor flesh wounds, they initially thought... This was a suicide attempt, but Dr. Wortham, with a ton of experience with fish, told him, this is just how he got his jollies <laughs> off, sure, dude. Sure, sure. This isn't what Epstein did. He just, this is how he's getting off. Dude. Yeah, this isn't Epstein diving off of, <laughs> or whatever happened to him. He strangled, or he 
hung himself. Yeah, yeah, sure he did. I like he hung himself. <laughs> yes. Ironically, on March 11th, the following day, it was Fish's trial. Now it was going to be pretty cut and dry. Fish had confessed, and they had found the body of Grace Bud and the murder weapons. The biggest argument was if Fish was actually insane or not, because. He was looking at the electric chair if he was found sane and convicted. That's going to be the that's going to be the toughest hurdle for the prosecution to jump, I imagine. Is yeah. Being able to prove that he's sane. <laughs> uh eventually on March 22nd, 1935, after a humongous amount of witnesses, family members and psychiatrists or alienists as they called them at the Alienists. time. Alienists. That's what they called psychiatrists at the time. Alienists. Weird. I know. It's kind of cool, though. Yeah, I, I like it. It's kind of cool. But they all took the stand. The jury eventually would find him guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death by electric chair at Sing Sing Prison. Mm, gross. But Fish didn't seem to mind the verdict too much. He was quoted in the paper saying, What a thrill it will be to die in the chair. It will be the supreme thrill, the only one I haven't tried. Hey, he's 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 turning a negative into a positive here, right? And all with all those pins in his asshole, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna light up like a Christmas tree. As you're about as we'll talk about in a minute here, they were very worried about that. Yeah. As no surprise, his lawyer was trying desperately to prove that F- Albert Fish was insane. And should not be put to death, but it would eventually prove to be futile. While awaiting his day with the electric chair, Fish would finally confess to the murders of Francis McDonald and Billy Gaffney. He seemed to know the end was near. Sure. Now, interestingly, while at Sing Sing Prison, Fish was known to just sort of wander around his cell, reciting Bible passages that he had me- uh, he had memorized. Or just spend his time writing letters to his children. What a freak. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, we talked about we didn't really know if he had religious psychosis, but while he was in prison, that is all he did was recite Bible passages. Then, yes, so, he had it. I. It's very, He actually complained because the guy next to him was so crazy and yelling and screaming that it was interrupting his Bible reading. His prayer time. So he yeah. was pissed, huh? and he wanted him gone, but they uh, didn't get rid of him. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make too many accommodations for you <laughs> no. there, Albert. Now, uh, also, while at Sing Sing Prison on March 28th, 1935, Fish was served a pork chop for dinner, and once again, he removed the bone only <sighs> to sharpen it on the ground in his cell, and then he proceeded to cut an eight-inch cross on his abdomen. Wow. Now, they finally asked, why are you doing all of this? And he told him that he has to cut himself because it's the only thing that takes the pain away from all of those needles that are deeply embedded inside of him. Oh, I have to cut myself yeah. more because I've shoved things in me that yeah. hurt, that are causing me a tremendous <sighs> amount of pain. Can you imagine being in that much pain that you have to cut yourself to make yourself feel better because <sighs> you have needles in your fucking taint? Oh. Ugh. So... Finally, less than a year later, on January 16th, 1936, it was time for Fish to head to the electric chair. Dried old Sparky, huh? <laughs> Fish would have a T-bone and roasted chicken for his last meals, but even on his last day alive, the prison made sure to remove all of the bones so he couldn't cut himself again. <laughs> We're killing you. You will not kill you. We are killing you. And much like Adam said, uh, there's a big speculation that when they threw that switch... Was he going to just start sparking everywhere from the needle? Seriously? He didn't. Though. No? Okay. He didn't, though. The fi- Finally, when his day came, he just quietly sat upon the electric chair, 
didn't really say anything and he was just prepared for his imminent death. After the switch was flipped, Fish's body surged, his neck cords bulged, his hands clenched, and at 11.09 p.m., he was finally confirmed to be dead. He would be the oldest man to ever be executed at Sing Sing Prison. A record that still holds to still, this day? Well, I mean, you yeah, have abolished no, yeah. it. But yes, <laughs> technically, it does still stand today, yes. But yeah. <laughs> they don't count old men that get like stabbed in the shower as an execution. No, no, the, the government's got to kill them for right. that to go on here. Right. But yeah, there it is. There is Albert Fish. He is dead. I'm not sure where he's buried, but... Uh, you're a gross piece of shit, Albert yeah, Fish. He, Hopefully you're buried at Sing Sing in an unmarked grave. <laughs> so nobody can... Uh, hopefully, maybe someday people can forget about you. But not now. Now I'm, we've put out three episodes about you. <laughs> I'm assuming that he uh, he probably is in an unmarked grave, right? For 1936 in New York? I thought for sure. Pres- just yeah, he's at Sing Sing, yeah, he's at Sing Sing Cemetery. Uh, it, it does say you can find the grave, so he must be marked somewhere. There's probably a million Albert fishes. Probably, yeah. And it, we know there's a million Alberts anyway. Oh, for sure. Especially during the times of the late 1800s, <laughs> early 1900s. When was Adam popping off? Was that like a... Oh, the pre- first name ever. How's that for you? <laughs> oh, right. Back in, you know, year one. Yeah. Year? Well, much, much further away. <laughs> year, year, year zero is when Jesus was born, right? You're right, right. <laughs> uh, shit, Cody, I fucking love it. You did Albert Fish justice. Thank more you. so than almost any other true crime podcast Hell I may yeah. have heard about. It. Hell yeah. Thank you. I love Albert Fish. I love the lore of it. I don't love him personally. He's a no, piece of shit. He is. Absolutely. But the story always fascinates me to see just how depraved a human being can be. Can't get much worse than him. Especially. Cannot get much worse than him. I I might throw a towel in, or you probably say the toy box killer. Toy He's box killer is gross. Bad. And his girlfriend are gross, yeah. And uh, what's his name? What's the Texas guy's name? The Candyman. He always bothers me a lot. Yeah. He's bad, but he's kind, he does kind of the same shit Fish does, really. Gacy fucks me up too. Yeah, Gacy's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, we got we got some we got some uh, big boys in the future outside of Adam's fart. There, we sure do. Absolutely, <laughs> Cody, great job. And let's uh, let's start heading into the exits. Uh, if you enjoyed this series as much as I did, you can tell me about it at bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. What's that, Adam? Bumblebuttpodcast at gmail.com. As always, follow us on Twitter at bumblebuttpod, Facebook and Instagram at bumblebuttpodcast. Now, there's one thing I've noticed before we get to the iTunes reviews. Hell yeah, last month. July, that is, if for all of you listening in the future. Last month, Spotify had 60% of our downloads, and Apple Podcasts only had 18%. So listen, before we get to the iTunes reviews, I want you to thumbs up the Spotify, if you can. If you're listening out there in Spotify land, subscribe to it on there and thumbs us up on there, and that would be great. You follow. Follow us on Spotify. Don't, they don't take that pleb-ass subscribe they do follow follow our bitch asses on spotify (laughs) and you can download every episode when it comes out uh cody yeah why don't you tell me an itunes review the most important part of the show yeah it looks like we got i i kind of forgot to be honest i think it was like three three new five stars okay thank you adam unwritten two two written we got two written two written holy shit We've been, we've, these reviews, you guys are doing amazing, by the way. Thank you for taking time to do that. Hell yeah. Uh, we'll start with the first one. It says, love these guys by Julie Mag. Julie Mag. Great stories, great search at research, 
They feel like family every time I listen to them. Thank you so much. Julie Mag will be your Olive Garden we, we, any day. <laughs> when you're here, you're family. If maybe, if only we could serve you unlimited soup and breadsticks, but unfortunately we cannot do Just that. Just audio right. breadsticks, yeah. that's it. Uh, the next one, Love It So Much by Emily462233. Emily462233. All the gore and cryptids I love with the familiar accents and references I didn't know I needed. Oh. Discovering a new podcast that speaks to my creepy, creepy upper Midwestern soul has been just awesome. Well, that's a, us. A blood-soaked ray of hope during these dark times. Keep up the great work, guys. So, yeah, I guess we got a, we got a fellow Midwesterner here. Thank Fe you. Well, thank you very much, Emily22463943. I don't, I, I don't know. Many You're people... a stormtrooper, which is rough. <laughs> you need to get that taken care of, but... <laughs> a stormtrooper? Yeah, that's what they're called, like, Emily24634. Oh, I thought you were making a... Different joke. Anyway. <laughs> what, a Nazi? <laughs> yeah. I thought that you were saying, I'm like, how the You are not a you, Nazi, why Emily. Why saying that? You Jesus are... Christ. <laughs> Emily, you are no, rounding them all up. No, you are a <laughs> awesome stormtrooper. Thank definitely. you so much. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you to everybody. Uh, th definitely. Buy a shirt. Cody, Hell we've been yeah. selling shirts like crazy. Yes, we have. Hit, hit, us, hit any of us up. On our personal meet, uh, Instagram, I should say. Definitely. Bumblebutt Podcast, uh, Cody Zabub or Bumble Adam will we'll direct you to the right source to We will sell send you, you that link and tell you how to buy that we shirt. We got plenty left. We got shirts, babies. We, we got, got shirts. shirts. Let's, let's keep doing it. And sign up for our Patreon any level you want. Patreon.com slash Bumblebutt Podcast. Right now, we have four Patreon-exclusive episodes oh, with yeah. even more coming. They're this coming. is going to be great. And not to mention, we just recorded our first Between the Bumbles with a Patreon. Yeah, it, it was amazing. We got a whole schedule lined up. Uh, so awesome. Yeah, we want to connect. Get with on the Patreon. train yes. and get fucking fucking with us. Should we talk about our new our new recruits here? Oh my gosh, Cody! Yeah. Let's talk about the new Patreons that we just got. Yeah, we want to give a special shout out to our newest patrons, Renee Fletcher. Thank you so much. Shout out Renee. Katie B. Thank you so much. Katie B. And Julie Julie Carrera. I apologize. I don't. I'm scared of your middle name. Like Milky Cabrera, <laughs> but Julie <Is> Carrera. <laughs> Milky Cabrera. Baseball player, right? Ba I should have known. That sounded like a baseball player. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys are enjoying the the audios, whatever we have on there. The cryptid yeah. reading. Yeah. I'm going to be sending out your goodies this week as well. Beautiful. Your very large stickers. So yeah. thank you very much for that. Hell yeah! Thank you guys. Thank you everyone. And. It Please stay safe out there, and please have a nice weekend, unless it's Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed Albert Fish and help us find Jordan. Ooh, <laughs> put him out on a milk crate. Ooh. <laughs>